Welcome to Our Story, a podcast where ordinary people share extraordinary stories. My name is Atherva, and today I'm joined by Paul Farambi. Hey, Paul. How are you, buddy? I'm good, Atherva. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, man, it's been a couple of years since we last saw each other, in person at least, and a lot has changed since. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So tell me, what, what have you been up to since uh, our Albuquerque days? Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, since leaving Albuquerque, uh, I'm actually working with Nestle Perina now. I've got to do some stuff in continuous improvement. I'm out of the corporate headquarters, got to travel to different places, as well as um, I've also, uh, during the quarantine, um, created a, a business kind of stuff I had done on a voluntary basis as far as professional development, more geared toward college students. Mm -hmm. Uh, I made it more official, created a website, business cards, the whole thing. So I, I really feel like I'm at the beginning stages of things, but I mean, I have been doing some of this stuff on a volunteering basis for the last couple of years. So I'm really excited about it. That's exciting. Congratulations, man. So, you know, if I were to look up your name on your website, like what, what would that about me section say about you? Oh, yeah, for sure. It'll give some background about me personally. So I was born in uh, Nigeria, and my family moved to the States when I was four years old. Um, I attended Iowa State University and got my degree in, in chemical engineering. Um, did some internships um, at Nestle, Cargill. Also did undergraduate research all eight semesters. Um, and then I've always had a passion um, for research and development. So even when I was in my undergrad days, I got to um, mentor other younger people in the lab. Even moving forward um, to my professional life, I got to do some stuff uh, with the younger, uh, early career people, which General Mills, what we call um, the MEAs or Manufacturing Engineering Associates. We had a monthly call and we had a, uh, an annual conference that we did and I was a part of that so that's some of the stuff I've done and it's I think every time I do those things kind of outside of what my my job description is as far as returns to leadership or professional development it just really drives me I have a passion for it that's really interesting I know we I got to experience that firsthand uh, quite a bit. And I had, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to be your, your, your mentor when you first started in Jerome Mills. So yeah. I'm glad to see you grow and uh, blossom into uh, becoming a mentor for other people and at a much larger scale, I, I should say, uh, with all the things you're doing. So that's exciting. Uh, but before we get into the details on, on all that exciting stuff, I, I'm just curious. Um, you said you were born in Nigeria and you moved to the U.S. when you're four. Yeah. Um, where in the U.S. did you move to? Was Iowa home after that? No. So I got to, I moved around the Midwest a little bit, but St. Louis was home. Uh, suburb from St. Louis, St. Charles, if anyone knows where that is. But if you're in St. Louis, the whole metro area is really considered St. Louis. Got it. Okay. So uh, fam you moved, uh, I'm guessing, uh, family reasons. Uh, the whole family moved over. Yeah, so when we moved from Nigeria, my it was my parents and my my younger sibling. I have three siblings. Two of them were actually born um, here in the States. And then so we moved to St. Louis. Um, 
And then high school was mostly in Nebraska. I had one year of high school in St. Louis. My dad changed jobs, and then we all moved to Nebraska. And then from there, I went to college in Iowa. It's kind of a Midwest tour. <laughs> gotcha. So you, you bounce around the Midwest quite a bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> That's cool, cool. Uh, so why Iowa, and what made you choose uh, chemical engineering? Yeah, so it was kind of a funny story because growing up, I actually wanted to be a doctor for the longest time. And chemical engineering was was going to be my backup, if you could even call it a backup, from going on a college visit, talking to my dad and some people. I was like, if for whatever reason you're not um, going to be a doctor, what would your undergrad degree be? And at first I was always thinking biology or chemistry. But after thinking about it, I, I, I know um, applying stuff as far as engineering is concerned, something I'm interested in, and I really like chemistry. So that's where chemical engineering jumped at me. And then I also got to do some undergraduate research before the summer before my freshman year in the chemical engineering lab in collaboration with biology lab. And that really, that just made me fall in love with it. Got it. So you kind of um, had this vision of going into the medical field, but as you got more exposure, you felt like chemical engineering was a better fit for you. Yeah, I, I honestly fell in love with research. Yep. So what kind of research did you do? So it was in collaboration between a biology lab and a chemical engineering lab sponsored by the U.S. Army, and the whole goal of the project was trying to regenerate peripheral nervous system. Um, so nerves that were lost um, from either war or whatever um, injuries that are occurred. It's, from what I understand, because we're, we're trying to replicate it on a smaller scale, like using uh, mice or rats, but we're trying to figure out what sort of conduit or biocritical conduit we could use. So that was where the chemical engineering side came in. At the same time, there's different growth factors and proteins that um, help generate that. So that's the biology side of things. So there are a lot of different tests we did um, and like either in a petri dish to start and then there's a veterinary clinic on at Iowa State and we did, um, I wasn't involved with that directly. We had uh, a someone who's uh, do all about the surgeries and stuff to do some uh, tests in the animals themselves. But I helped a lot with that and in, in vitro testing as far as the Petri dishes and setting up the experiments or looking at the microscope. So I got to do a lot of stuff that a typical chemical engineer doesn't do as far as the biology side of things. So that was really cool. Yeah, that does sound really, really interesting. Uh, I'm curious, did that study ever evolved into any anything past research? Yes, yeah, so I, I, to be completely honest, I, I don't know where it's at right now. I know uh, with all that research, is there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. So we were trying mm -hmm. to first narrow down what would be the best cell type. And then there's this process called transdifferentiation where you can take a, one cell type and make it into another cell type. And the reason they were doing that um, is because it was less invasive. So uh, they're using adult stem cells. They wanted to use ones that are a lot easier to get than trying to go through the 
there's something that'd be really invasive. So I we through the four years I was there, there's definitely progress and where we move from just doing stuff in the lab to actually doing like live testing. Uh, but I, I don't I don't I I don't know if uh, if they have a solution quite yet. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't really realize or at least glance upon, especially like when you go into uh, watching movies, research is like, oh, you know, we plug in X, Y, Z and all of a sudden you have a new product. But yeah. uh, research, what you're describing, it could take years upon years before you have a breakthrough. Yeah, no, that's very true. <laughs> you, you don't know the answer. You're just trying to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. It's literally you know, figuring out something that no one has ever done before. So it's, it's, it can be a lot of work <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, that's for sure. Awesome. So that's where I guess, uh, is it fair to say your love for research was kind of planted? Yeah, I, I think so. Cause I got involved with it the summer before my freshman year, kind of a, a smaller subset of the project and I actually stayed in that lab um, all eight semesters. I say eight semesters as opposed to four years because I did a, a co-op um, my spring semester, my junior year. So I took time off and I worked. Um, so that pushed my graduation to um, the fall of 2016 as opposed to spring. Got it. Okay. So talk to me about uh, your college years. You know, you, you chose uh, chemical engineering uh, and you did all these internships in food manufacturing, it seems like. What made you choose that path? Yeah, so that was easy because I love food. So <laughs> that, that, was, that was an easy transition. So it's funny. The first one I did was at, with, with Cargill. So let me backtrack a little bit. So I did, like I said, I did research all eight semesters. Um, my first couple of years... I really focused on research. Even the summer after my sophomore year, I did a research internship. I stayed in the same lab, but I was able to get funding so I could work full time. And I got a lot of stuff done during that summer. I also, even though I was only a sophomore, I was mentoring a freshman student, even a high school student. So that was a really cool experience. But then following my junior year, uh, coming into my junior year, I thought about, I know I'm in engineering, chemical engineering, I've done all the stuff on the research side. Haven't really got exposure to um, quote unquote industry that most engineers go. So that's where I started to um, trying to develop myself as far as getting my resume prepared and um, going to career fairs, things like that. And then um, I had the opportunity to do a co-op with Cargill, uh, which at the time, I wasn't so sure of it because I was dead set on, I want to um, get in and then get out, be there four years and be done with it. But after talking with some friends, and I think I already had a, a couple of friends who had done co-ops um, the previous semester. So their graduation date was pushed out. So I was like, all right, I might as well, I can do the same thing. I'm not going to be graduating by myself. Um, so I got to do that experience. And now was in a, a soybean crush facility and refinery so the soybean crush they take soybeans that come in convert them into soybean meal and crude oil and there was a refinery right next to it i took the crude oil and created vegetable oils um, some industrial type oils that they um, 
called FR3 that they put in substations, like um, electrical substations. And they also started creating a process for lecithin, which is the emulsifier that's in a lot of different products. Uh, so it's a really cool experience, uh, but at the same time, I I wanted to get closer to the end product as, uh, as far as cargo is concerned, their consumers were other companies. And then the following summer of 2016 uh, was where I had a chance to intern with Nestle, Nestle USA in a frozen food facility. So that was in Jonesboro, Arkansas. The Cargill one was in Wichita, Kansas. So Jonesboro, Arkansas frozen food facility that's, um, that's where they made their Stouffer's and League Cuisine. Um, so I was, it's pretty amazing to see, because I, I guess I just never thought about it, but they make the pasta fresh there, and then it's just frozen and then shipped out. Uh, that was really cool. All right. So those are just your internships before your full-time role at General Mills, huh? Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. So uh, as far as your transition to Albuquerque, like what made you choose General Mills? So it's funny because I had, uh, I had interviewed for General Mills for an internship position. Actually the same summer I interviewed for Nestle, I actually got rejected. Mm. Uh, just, yeah. So it was, it was just funny how it happened. So I, I got to the Nestle internship and said, and then I, even in in my story, there's, I think a lot of times there's a tendency for people to think that people who are, quote, successful don't have struggles or everything works out great. Right. And that's the perfect example that I'll, I'll share right here. Like, first one, General Mills uh, didn't expect me for an internship. And then when I was done um, finishing up my internship with Nestle, usually they offer um, all their interns full-time opportunities, but then they're restructuring the program. I think there are about 40 of us, and then they're still they're only going to offer it to 20. Uh, and I was just one of the 20 that they can offer. And at least as far as the explanation, there wasn't really, um, they didn't say, they, it was based off of the, the ratings that we got, but I got a good rating as far as my manager and everyone was, was concerned. So uh, we didn't, I didn't really understand why I wasn't getting an offer, but that was aside the point. I had to figure out what I wanted to do for full time. So that's when I started to look at other opportunities. And I remembered uh, General Mills um, and then I applied and it was after I had already graduated and it's funny because I had actually already accepted a job with another company, um, but before General Mills got back to me. Funniest thing ever is that um, I was trying to go through the process, and I think so. I I know I remember I took a, a couple of months off just between um, graduating and starting of work, which I recommend for anyone. Uh, before you start working, that's the longest break you're going to get. Ever, but, uh, yep. Use that <laughs> opportunity because <laughs> after yeah. you start working, you're never going to get a vacation longer than maybe two, three weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, so some people told me that, and I, I, I took that to heart. So I, there's a couple months that I didn't really, I didn't really do much. I was just getting ready um, to start working, spend time at home, spend time with family. 
but it's funny because literally the the day that I moved in um, for my previous opportunity, I was when I got the call from General Mills for an on-site interview. So I got the initial phone screening and then like uh, initial interview, but then they wanted an on-site interview and I had already was just getting ready to, to start working at this new place. And then I had to figure out a way uh, to get down there for the on-site interview. And then I got the on-site interview and uh, fortunately I got through like, we were talking about I worked at General Mills, but it was just funny how things worked out because General Mills was where I wanted or something that I had wanted uh, previously, even before I had applied to Nestle or even this one I had got um, when I started, when I just graduated. And it just, it just got delayed a little bit, but uh, it still worked out. And Albuquerque was not as I had never been in the Southwest besides Denver, but I don't really count Denver because uh, the, the cultures are, are totally different. So I, I thought it'd be something really cool, something new. And so I interviewed, uh, they liked me and I, they gave me the offer and I accepted it. I remember that because I was one of the guys who interviewed you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's a cool story. I didn't know the background there. So you started, uh, or you wanted to start as an intern there, but that didn't work out. So you went to Nestle, which then turned out into a full time opportunity. But now Jeremy Mills turned out into a full time opportunity. Yeah. On reality, you you were already going to start something else. So it's funny how life works out. Yeah, no, that's for sure. I think the the message through all that is just your conviction, like you kept on going at no point did you take the easy way out to say like well i guess that's not gonna work i'm not gonna try again so that's really cool to hear no thanks i appreciate that i definitely think uh through my story and I, that's just a little bit part of, of it but i feel like there's challenges that come up but I'll, I'll tell people that there's no person that goes through life without challenges um actually one of my my favorite Authors, speakers, is John Maxwell. He's really big on leadership. And he talks about uh, failure is not something that is you. It's something that happens to you. So you have to learn to separate um, you failing from you as a failure. The only time you become a failure is when anything that happens to you don't learn from it. But anytime you do fail, there's always, always a learning opportunity. And you can do better the next time. And the same time you learn more from your failures than you do from your successes because when you succeed you move on you don't learn to i mean you can celebrate from it but you don't learn as much as when you do fail i love that that's really cool and uh, i'm guessing you took that to heart and i know you've started this um new adventure where you're um and correct me if i'm wrong here but you're you're an inspirational speaker as well is that fair to say like what would that title be yeah so i mean i i don't see myself as an inspirational speaker so to speak but i guess you you could put it that way um whether it's i i do i do some speaking or or coaching um whether at least this year already i've had a chance to talk to uh, two different universities um, so like the Indiana University 
and actually like a group of inter, in, um, universities through LSAMP, which was something I was a part of when I was um, in college. It's the Louis Stokes Alliance for Minority Participation. So uh, like kind of like what it says for people who are minorities in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. So I got involved in that my second semester sophomore year and they help a lot with getting people exposure to undergraduate research. They actually have a program for um, going to get your PhD or master's, that sort of thing. So another thing kind of aside from the stuff I'm doing is that me and another um, alumni, alumnus had started a alumni program out of what we had done for our local alliance called Inspire, which is Iowa, Illinois, Nebraska. So we did that back in 2017. And then this year, kind of expanding to all the different LSAMP alliances and teaming up with a, a regional center of excellence, as they call it. So like a Midwest center, I think that has seven or eight different alliances within it. So I think that's like 10 or 12 different schools. We're using them. And then we've been reached since the beginning of the month, we've been reaching out to alliances all across the country um, and trying to grow the network. Uh, and it's kind of threefold because our uh, first thing is to give back to the LSAMP alliances as far as current students to develop them. Uh, second thing is to grow our network as alumni. So could we have that network for Iowa, Illinois, and Nebraska? Now we want to grow it for all of them. And the third thing is to have a, a resource pool for alliances to tap into to bring alumni back for different things, whether it's speaking or panels or whatever it is. Uh, so that's kind of the goal. Uh, but I think I, I kind of went off on a, a tangent, but um, yeah, that's that's something I've been involved with along with some of the stuff I, I've been doing personally um, back since I think April now. No, that's really cool. Uh, so to understand your role in all this, like what kind of message are you giving to your audience? Like what is, what is the, what is the brand slogan? If, if Paul was a brand, what would that be? I think my slogan would be one of uh, resilience and just to keep going and keep trying. Cause definitely for me, I, I don't think I've ever, got it right the first time or knew exactly what I want to do the first time. I mean, I, I don't know if I mentioned that at the beginning, I wanted to be a doctor and chemical engineering was like a backup plan. And then um, through doing chemical engineering, I learned I, I had a passion for research. Uh, along with research, I did some other things in industry. And then, um, I mean, I've loved food my whole life. started working for food companies. And even all the stuff I'm doing now, I know the end goal is to do um, research in food. And I'm, I'm well on my way right now. The department I'm in um, is like an R&D department. I'm more on the packaging side of things. Uh, but I think it's one of it, you don't have to necessarily know what you want to do for the rest of your life. But the important thing is that you keep moving and you keep progressing. Now you, you learn things along the way. I mean, if you do already know what you want to do, that's awesome. Go out, go out and do it. You can inspire other people. Um, I have an idea of what I want to do, and I want to show 
be an inspiration uh, to others that maybe you don't necessarily know, you don't have a clear picture of what you want to do. You know, you want to, maybe you want to help people. You are passionate about this area, but at the same time, I want to equip people because a lot of stuff is professional development in STEM is there's a lot of focus on the academic side, which is important, but there's a lot of other soft skills or things that aren't necessarily technical that you need to keep in mind, whether it's the resume is huge, the interview is huge. I've been doing stuff on, on leadership as well. And so. Yeah, that's important. I think the, the part that really resonated with me is what you said about, you know, you don't always get it right the first time. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the message resilience, like that is, that is the definition of how you overcome that especially when your audience is, like you said, minorities in, in, that are in the youth age group, like that is key. If, for example, you don't have the exact path laid out to you, it's easy to get lost, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's exciting to see that you're paving this path for a lot of uh, the new generation. So uh, congrats, man. It's, it's exciting to hear. Thanks, Tara. I'm excited for it. Cool. So I always end this podcast with uh, the personal note as well. You know, we became pretty good friends uh, at our, on our time in Albuquerque. Uh, and, you know, I'm happy to be your mentor when I could as well, but I also learned a lot from you. So I want to take this opportunity to kind of be, uh, be a student from you and say, you know, if you had one piece of advice for me, what would that be? Oh, mate, you put me on the spot. Uh I don't, I don't know if it's for you uh, specifically because I think it's awesome what you're you're doing with this podcast and what you're you're doing with your career as well with General Mills. Um, I would say as because I'm really big on on leadership. I think leadership is important, and I mentioned John Maxwell earlier. Another thing he, he says is that everything um, rises and falls on leadership, and you're not going to advance anything above your leadership either. But I think maybe one piece of advice I can leave with you or with anyone that's listening to it is um, another thing that he says as far as leadership being influence. So I think a lot of times we think that if we don't have a leadership title or management title, that we're not leaders, which is, it's not true. Whether it's um, between a friend, a coworker, sometimes you can even lead up. Like I know he talks about that um, leading up because leadership is more of a a mindset and an attitude as far as um, talks about value-based leadership, what you feel like is what's important, connecting with people, adding value to people, making sure um, every time you're talking with someone or um, communicating with them, that you are tuned into the conversation and giving them what they want to, uh, what they're asking for, what they want to hear as far as uh, connecting with them. Because I feel like a lot of times, I think it, it's really easy with social media. We just we just want to get our thoughts out there and say a bunch of things, but then we lose that connection. So I think uh, I will leave everyone with really 
focus in on being a leader, even if you don't necessarily have a leadership title and try to truly connect with people and understand them. So I think if we all did that, the world would be a better place. Very well said. That's awesome. I'm going to take that to heart. And then, you know, you said you mentioned something that I want to get a better understanding on. What do you mean by lead up? Oh, lead up or manage up. So that's if you're um, an employee and you have a, a manager, uh, that would be leading up. If there's certain things that maybe uh, with your relationship you, you don't like or you think could be better, uh, being intentional about learning uh, more about their character and their background so you can have those conversations. I think it's a lot harder to just tell people, hey, you, um, uh, I hate this about you, but you really don't know anything about them. So there's no connection. There's no relationship there. So they're not most likely not going to listen to you until you have that relationship with them. Got it. That's, that's awesome. That's, a, that's an interesting concept for me. But Paul, above all, it was so nice catching up. Uh, it's been way too long. And like I said, the world has changed around us. Uh, but what I could say is uh, you've definitely stayed the same and your resilience continues to show. And I'm excited to see you're passing that on to a younger generation as well. So uh, keep doing what you're doing and uh, can't wait uh, till our paths cross again, buddy. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for inviting me on this podcast. Really a lot of fun talking with you and catching up again. Let's not wait a couple of years next time. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Take care, buddy. Bye. All right, bye. There's a quote by Bill Nye that says, everyone you'll ever meet knows something you don't. And today I learned from Paul that failure is not you, but something that happens to you. So what you learn from it is what's important. Thanks, Paul.